And we are live for the 129th episode of the Bronx Power Battle Podcast, presented to you by Six Pack Coverage. I am your host, Matt Luzluigi, and tonight it's me, it's Andrew, and Alex, and boys. It's playoff time, man. It's playoff I, time. We're all super excited. Uh, you know, and by excited, I, we mean we're all very violently anxi- uh, anxious. <laughs> I know that this season has been um, pretty pretty bipolar to say the least um first half of the season was amazing second half of the season was um close to a nightmare but here we are ALDS turns out that we are going to be playing the Cleveland Guardians um in the best of five series right and like we said boys here we go we've been this is what we've been waiting for for the last few months we've kind of it's kind of been a foregone conclusion since I meant for like I said, the last few months, the Yankees would be in the playoffs. They got off to such a blistering start that that it was just a question on whether they would win the division, whether they make the playoffs. So this is something we've been waiting for for a long time. And, yeah, like I think we all feel the same way. We're all nervous. We're all very skeptical. I don't think, just to get an opportunity, I don't think any of us expect this team to win the American League, let alone the World Series. Um I hope to be wrong, right? I Like I said in the last episode, I thought this team was going to win 80, 85 games this year, coming into the year, and obviously I was wrong about that, right? They finished 99 and 63. They win the AL East for just the second time in the last decade, pretty much. So it was a good year in the sense of that, but like I said now, the record zero and zero, because guess what? Regular season wins do not mean anything, as the Mets showed us last night, right? 101 wins, and just like that, you're out to an 89-win team. And it doesn't matter, right? It's You're 0-0 zero zero right now. And it all starts Tuesday night in the Bronx, boys, with Garrett Cole on the mound, our favorite pitcher. Yeah, I think, if anything, we're all, like you said, we're super anxious for this game just because ever since pretty much the All-Star break, the Yankees have just kind of been very mediocre at best. You know, we saw them go through their horrific slump where they were, I think it was 18 and 31 through one stretch of games. And then the last month or so, you know, September, they were actually much better. But still, it was it was a grind like it. There weren't any easy wins like in the first half of the season. It just seemed like they'd go out there and they'd win every game. And if they lost a game, it was actually kind of surprising where in the second half of the season if they lost the game we'd just be like yep that's how things are going now because injuries and everyone you know not performing up to what they should have been everyone not named judge yeah (laughs) um so at the same time you look at the Mets series where they just you know got knocked out by the Padres who have Basically had the same season trajectory as the Yankees, minus the blistering first half. Yeah. Like, they had a very rough time after the trade deadline, after they got Soto and Josh Hader. And then, so, obviously, with the whole Tatis fiasco, they had to yeah. deal with the entire year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so, you never know. Like, the playoffs are a crapshoot. The Yankees, all of a sudden, could just, you know, burst onto the scene and do what they did in 2020 against the Guardians, where... You know, Bieber started game one. They ended up scoring 13 runs that game. So, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up because 
the last few times I've gotten my hopes up for the playoffs, I've felt nothing but pain. Um, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if they did better than we expect them to. And look, I think the source of of our anxiety, our stress, our, our nervousness, whatever you want to call it, at, at this point is just because there's so much uncertainty with what team we're going to see. We know the pace that they can play at. Obviously, they don't need to <laughs> play a 30-game stretch at 800 ball, right? You just need to win 11 games to win the World Series. But Matt Carpenter is going to be healthy. Still seems to still to be seen how he's going to figure into into a lineup or coming off the bench. But like we know what this team's capable of to both extremes. Like when they're hot, they're they're un they're untouchable. Of course, part of that also had a healthy bullpen, which we're not going to have under any circumstances this this October. Uh, and when they're bad, they're brutal. You're talking about starting pitching that's just mediocre at best. You're talking about ineffective bullpen, uh, a lineup that's completely lifeless outside of Aaron Judge and maybe an occasional pop from, from Big G or Rizzo. Look, I think the most stressful part about this lead-up to the series is we know the one thing we we struggle with is elite pitching, and that's the one thing Cleveland has. They, as we saw in their series against Tampa, they struggle to score perhaps worse than us. They scored three runs total in a 24-inning series that stretched over two games. A nine-inning was a 15-inning game. The 15-inning game ended on a solo home run walk-off to end one nothing. Look, they struggle to score just as much as we do. And what stresses us out is we know that if we can't score, they the, the edge flips to them because they have a better bullpen. And look, if we were at full strength, if, if Chapman wasn't a dipshit, which we'll talk about, if Clay Holmes was like he was looking earlier in the year, if Zach Britton came back and and showed some signs of life, if Jonathan Wiseco was pitching at the pace he was last year, like, yeah, our, our bullpen can go toe-to-toe with anyone, but we know that's not the case this year. So it's just, it, it, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think that's where most of our concern and worry is coming from. Yeah, I think the biggest thing this season is the offense actually performing in the playoffs, which they haven't in the last two seasons because this year of you know the last few seasons I think the offense is the most important because one thing that has been kind of consistent with the Yankees the last few years is that their pitching has actually been a lot better than people have expected 2020 last year and this year their pitching overall put up way better numbers than I think anyone actually expected them to but this year they're dealing with a lot more injuries than they were going into the wildcard game last year and going into the playoffs in 2020. So I think they really have to get on on a roll offensively and getting Carpenter back is definitely going to help that, you know, judge is unbelievable this year, but you got to have guys like Glaber and Rizzo and Donaldson. They have to contribute. And, you know, judge is not going to be able to carry the Yankees to, 11 wins you know he might not be able to even carry the Yankees to a win in the ALDS so it's got to be more than one person actually hitting yeah that's what it really comes down to in terms of the Yankees offense this entire postseason is someone else got to step up simple as that whether it's Mm -hmm. Glaber and when I say someone it's probably at least two guys right between Glaber Stanton Rizzo uh you know one of the it may be Cabrera so who knows but because if no one else is hitting Judge isn't getting a single pitch in the zone. Like, I won't be surprised if 
like he goes over one with three walks tomorrow night or four walks yeah. tomorrow night. I mean, because really, like at at this point, if you're if I'm if put yourself in Frank Cone's shoes, you're looking at a team where there's one guy with an OPS of over 1100, right? And then everyone else has pretty much a guy at 750 OPS. Why should we pitch to anyone else? Mm-hmm. And guess what? Flip it around. The Yankees could say the same thing about the Guardians. Jose Ramirez is a phenomenal hitter. Very scared of that guy. He had a two-run homer in game one against the Rays that won them the game. Uh, he, he's an outstanding, one of the best pure hitters in baseball. Other yeah. than that, they they really don't have anyone that scares you in the lineup. Like Alex, you mentioned before, like Miles Straw, <laughs> they've been putting out in center field. He has like a 500 OPS. It's like 520 um, or something insane. Like yeah, like it's, they have a just very bad offense. So mm-hmm. it could be a very low-scoring series, but... Yeah, that for the Yankees, it really comes down to if they're going to get by this series, if they're going to get by whoever wins, uh, whoever they face in the ALCS, if they get by the series, they, and someone else other than Judge needs to step up because obviously Judge has been doing it all year. Judge has been, you know, had a, a generational year. But, and look, Glaber had a hot second half. I have a lot of kind. He's obviously has a lot of postseason experience. So I have confidence that. He could step up. Obviously, we saw what Stanton did in that 2020 postseason, and then even last year towards the end of the year, right? We know Stanton has it in him. So there's guys on this roster that can do it, that can step up. But yeah, it just because obviously, as much as I love to see the you know Mets, and not even just the Mets, I have no problem with the Mets. Just mostly their fans just going into full meltdown mode last night. Something scared me about that game. It was the fact that the Mets got shut out one hit, and I said to myself, "Damn." That could happen to us. Yeah. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen. Like, you know, we got no hit this year by the Astros. We, we've seen this team. We got one times. hit by Tristan McKenzie. Exactly. Yeah, we've, seen, we've seen multiple times this year, this team just get absolutely shut down. Mm-hmm. And man, like that, in po- like how many times you're watching a, 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 a you know postseason baseball game and it really is like, just comes down to like you're watching your lineup hit and say, man, are we gonna get a hit? Like I don't, I literally don't see our team getting a hit. And man, and, and here's the thing though, it, it does beg the question because I think, I think it was the ESPN broadcast during the the Tampa Cleveland uh, series they were talking about a bunch like the teams that hit the most home runs in October win the most. Now obviously that that's part of that is pretty pretty obvious, right? But it. it it does speak to the fact that you don't necessarily need to have a really good, well-rounded hitting team that can put together a lot of rallies and come through with a lot of clutch hits. We certainly know that's not in the Yankees' DNA. But if they get lucky, they run into a couple balls here and there. Like a couple home runs every once in a while it sometimes is all it takes, right? You just need just enough pitching to make that hold up. So, oh, look, I'm looking at guys like, can Cabrera be a spark plug? Like he was awesome when he got – called up in mid-August and really found his power stroke in September. I think he had five home runs. Um, I look at a guy like Josh Donaldson, you mentioned really quickly, like just how the records mean nothing. You know, if you the Mets won 101 games and it's all blown to shit, they didn't even make the LDS. The regular season stats mean nothing too. And Josh Donaldson's a guy who's been around for a long time, a former MVP, has a lot of playoff experience from his time in Toronto. And, and look, if there's going to be someone who's going to step up, who who maybe has that, I don't want to say clutch, Gene. 
because I don't pick anyone it, on the team. It's just that do, doesn't, just that like doesn't give a shit about the moment. Yeah, and I think Donaldson's yeah. a guy who, who the pressure of the moment playing in front of a full raucous Yankee Stadium. I feel like he's a guy who might actually be immune to that. If he sucks, it's just because he doesn't have any. He's washed at this point, right? And I don't think the the moment would be too much for him. So I, I you got to start looking at who's who are those type of guys. Maybe a guy like Trevino comes up with a big hit because he's energized. He got the hell out of Texas and he's finally playing. You know, for the team he grew up watching, him and his dad rooted for, he gets to start in a playoff series at the center of the universe. Like, that's awesome for him. Maybe Harrison Bader, right? Maybe Bader, yeah, for sure. So it's going to be very interesting. I, one guy I think we can write off for sure, uh, or at least it sounds like it, is DJ LeMayu, which is <laughs> in its own right confusing because he's one of your more trustworthy hitters, but, like, he looked like shit when he got activated off the IL. Like, I, I just don't think he he's right. And based on that limited sample size, Yankees going to have to make a decision tomorrow when they set the roster. I don't know if he, he makes the, the LDS roster. Well, and the problem yeah. with DJ is that it's the his injury is one of his toes. And it's his, I believe it's his left toe where he plants when he's hitting. And the, the way he hits, it's all putting his weight on his, you know, front leg and then just kind of driving the ball. And if your toes are not, you know, fully healthy – it hurts a lot to swing. So, and it throws off your balance. So, if he's yeah. not fully healthy, he's not going to be able to yeah. be and, nearly the hitter. And now. the last thing the Yankees need is just another middle infielder, right? Or exactly. just another infielder. Now they have plenty of those. And by the way, I just look, Harrison Bader is three for 22 in his postseason career. So, um, Maybe the moment's just a bit too big for Harrison Bader, but uh, yeah. But really, the thing, the thing is, that's you, you just with don't. The Cardinals too. No, obviously, you just look. You just don't know who's going to step up, right? Yeah. It could be anyone. How many times have we seen just that random guy, that David Freeze like player, just become a random postseason hero, right? Well, and just look at someone even like A Rod, whose entire yep. legacy was completely choking in the playoffs, and then in 2009, yep. he was the reason. The, he was one of the biggest reasons the Yankees won it. So. There's always if to win the World Series, you're always going to have to have a guy that's going to step up in any type of situation like that. And that's like last year, you saw so many different people on the Braves stepping up like Eddie Rosario. It is the most like average player ever. And he had a terrible year this year and he won the NLCS MVP. Jorge Soler won the World Series MVP last year. Like those are not you know, franchise cornerstone players. Those are average run of the mill right. players that the Braves David Eckstein, and- Eckstein won uh, a World Series MVP with the Cardinals in 2006, yeah, exactly. I like, believe. Like, I, it doesn't have to be your big bopper. Like, no. he, I remember. Are, are the odds big- on, like, if the Yankees win the World mm-hmm. Series, would it be Judge Rizzo or Stanton who's the MVP of that series? Should they make it all the way there and win? Maybe, but yeah. like, as, as we've seen over time, Bucky Dent, remember the year he hit the. The, the the famous home run in the well, one game. You, were, you remember the Red that, Sox. Andrew. We don't. Yeah, yeah. Hot. Bucky <laughs> Dent was also the World Series MVP that year. I think mm-hmm. he hit like 400. Like, it, it does. It, it sometimes doesn't have to be your big, important guy. Just anyone can catch lightning in the bottle for a yeah. few games, and that's all it takes. Fuck, well, it might be look, IKF for all. You look at a lot of the past World Series MVPs. Like, 2016, when the Cubs won, it was Ben Zobrist. Like, and Zobrist was always much known much more for his defense and he was you know a capable hitter but he was never going to set the world on fire with his hitting you know 2017 it was Springer just because Springer is like unbelievable in the playoffs but Red Sox won in 2018 it was Steve Pierce who won the World Series MVP (laughs) like 
These Yankee are not, legend. yeah, Yankee legend Steve Pierce. These are not, <laughs> you know, banner guys. These are random guys who, you know, have had mediocre careers. They bounce around and all of a sudden they come up in a big moment and they come through. Yeah, and I know we used World Series MVP as an example. We're talking about just someone who can hit in the LDS, so like yeah. we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But like, <laughs> look, look, yeah, no, if I'm you're looking for a shining like, example, there's no better example of someone who elevates their game in October. Look at Kike Hernandez for Boston, a yeah. very, very solid player. But the guy Great turned into Hank Aaron every October. Yeah. So like, and, and Andrew, I was gonna mention David Eckstein. Remember, was a part of those Angels teams too, and won a World Series with the Angels. Yep. Yeah. Like I, God gives me nightmares. He was those Angels teams terrorized me as a kid. But anyways, um, and Glaber Torres also, I think we always forget, 325 career postseason hitter with a 988 OPS. So there's another guy who always steps his game up in the postseason. And at this point, it's like damn, game. it's crazy to think of it. But Glaber's about to what enter his fifth, sixth postseason. Like he's yeah. at this point, he's a postseason veteran. Glaber's, gotta, Glaber's and played it's funny in the playoffs because... every single year of his career. Yeah. We haven't really mentioned, so we're talking about who in the starting lineup could actually step up and surprise us. Like, there is one bona fide playoff performer over their whole career on our team. It's Matt Carpenter. Like, look at the years he had in St. Louis. Like, you talk about a guy who who lives in Clayton Kershaw's nightmares, it's Matt Carpenter, right? Yeah, right. Maybe you get a big pinch hit moment for him late in some of these games. Maybe he comes through. It doesn't have to be a home run. A home run would be awesome, but... Double down the line. I, man, I could totally see Carpenter having an Abanez moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100, like... Well, the thing with Carpenter, too, is that he's going to have so much adrenaline now because he hasn't played in a game since August. So right. he's going to come into this and be way more amped up than he would have been if he hadn't gotten injured. So that could either play against him or it could play in his favor, and he could just go off like he did his first few games with the Yankees where he set the record for was it six home runs in his first 10 games as a Yankee or something like that. Yeah. He had a, he had an okay start. Another, yeah, Andrew, okay. another guy who's not really a play, an all time playoff performer. His career average is only two Oh seven, but Rizzo does have a lot of playoff experience. Obviously Rizzo has been, you know, not great the past few months, but there's a guy I can see stepping up. Um, yeah, it's look Rizzo had a home run in the, in the wild card game last year. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. Well, and Rizzo has been in the does. Rizzo that was in the playoffs have. with those really good Cubs teams. Mm-hmm. So you know he, a lot of people on this team have playoff experience, so they at least know what the playoff environment is like. Yeah, so I the biggest thing for the Yankees is just going to be avoiding those anemic offensive stretches mm-hmm. that like we saw in 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 August, particularly even the first few days of September, where, you, you know, you guys like to make a joke that as soon as the Yankees go down, I'm like, ah, game's over. Like, that was actually the case for a three, four-week stretch. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like I, they'd go down one, two, no, you know, someone on the other team would hit a solo home run or be an RBI single and then a home run. And then it'd be, you know, two, three, nothing. We'd be like, all right, well, there goes that game because at most judge will hit a solo home run later in the seventh inning. And that'll be their offensive output. Right. That was, it was a lot of late, late game home runs for judge Mm -hmm. that really changed um, our our perspective from thinking that team was getting shot at every night, but they kind of were. Look, if Garrett Cole prone to home runs gives up an early home run in this game, there's going to be a vibe of like, oh, here we go again. The Yankees can't score. This game's over. Already you're down two nothing in the third inning, whatever it is, right? But like, look if they if they show they got the medal to rally, then you've really paved the way for your your postseason. I'm not going to say yeah. like one win, one early come from behind win in game one of the ALDS is enough to <laughs> set you to the World Series championship, but 
if you know that's that they're not just going to roll over and die like obviously in the regular season you may be mentally checked out when you get down early kind of thing they're not going to do that in the playoffs but knowing that they actually have it in them to to pull out those kind of wins is going to be very encouraging i think the biggest thing to kind of gauge how they're doing early on in the game tomorrow is just watching how their at-bats are. You know, they don't have to be scoring runs, but in the first, you know, three, four innings, if they're having good at-bats or taking a bunch of pitches, you know, they're getting base runners, they're really working Cal Quantrill, like that shows that they're in the zone. Like in that span of August games where they just looked terrible and couldn't score, there were so many one, two, three innings where the opposing pitcher would be throwing you like 15 pitches or less. You'd see guys like Glaber and IKF just swinging at the first pitch. And they'd be putting up two, three pitch at bats. And it was just it was easy for opposing pitchers to just go through and, you know, mow the lineup down where when the Yankees are really in the zone, they work the crap out of opposing pitchers. They do not let up. So I think that's the key tomorrow is you they have to be patient and not actually, you know, let the opposing pitchers get to them. They have to. It remains to be seen how how the young Cleveland pitching staff can, can handle the moment, right? Like we mm. know what they were able to do this season. They had a historic regular season and they looked untouchable against Tampa in those two games, but a raucous Yankee stadium. Yeah. There's a, bit of, the a, youngest diff- there's a baseball, bit of a difference so like... between facing the Rays at home and the Yankees at Yankee stadium, because yeah. the Rays best hitter in the wild card series was Randy Rosarena basically. And he didn't do anything. The entire race offense. Are you going to disrespect my man Siri? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a brutal lineup. Like full disclosure, I'll just tell you, I, you guys know this, but I wanted the race to win because I'm going to be in St. Pete this weekend. And I would have went to the game, but obviously the universe hates me. They specifically lost because they knew I wanted to go to the game. So just that's for you, how, yeah, just for you. That's how they had my face hung up in the locker room, and yeah. So Kevin yeah, Cash we, saw a picture of you and said, fuck that guy. Yep. <laughs> I'd rather lose than have you him an opportunity. To That's kind of what happened. Play baseball. But yeah, that was, I mean, obviously the, you know, it's the play. It, it doesn't feel like the play because I, I still, in my mind, the ALDS is still the first round to me. But obviously the wild card is the playoffs. And yeah, that was one of the worst. I promise you it feels like the playoffs for the four teams that advance. Yeah, right. Covers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but, there's some there's some lineups from like the 2020 season. Yeah, 16 get, playoff teams like the oh that Reds lineup. The Reds lineup. You had the Bre- the like Brewers who were under 500. Uh, well, that's like, there were some Marlins. Right? Well, that's yeah. The I think that Reds team was like 29 and 31. But that was that yeah. was a weird. That was a 60 game season, so that's kind of weird. But. Yeah, no, and that's why you can't really count the 2020 season. But in terms Mickey of just Mouse. yeah, in terms of 162 game seasons, that Rays lineup this past weekend had to be up there with the worst lineups. We've yeah, seen. Oh, it was pretty and bad. Part of the problem with them is that it wasn't just bludgeoned by injuries. Now they did have injuries, right? Like Kevin Kiermeyer is out for the year. Mike yeah. Zanino is out for the Brandon year. Brandon Lyle. Are, yeah, there, there were some guys that they would have liked to have in there, but a lot of, of those those starters just had shit years. And it's the guys mm-hmm. that they've hitched their, their wagon to. And when I say they yeah. hitched their wagon to, the Rays are really good at pivoting. Like the second, like they may wake up, in a week and say, you know what, we got to trade Taylor Walls. Like, I, it seemed like yeah. they were giving the keys to the kingdom to play, uh, I, I guess, not shortstop because Franco will be there, but like maybe second base. Well, the there's future, already right? been rumors about whether or not they're going to trade Glasnow in the winter. Right, right. So, like, 
but you look up and down the lineup, and those are the guys that you, you even said in the chat. I think it was Friday during game one. How like it doesn't make sense. I just want one year where the Rays try and pull this stupid shit where like they mm-hmm. think they're smarter than everyone else and they actually just go 72 and 90, something like that. Yeah. Like you kind of get lineups like they had in that wildcard case where like seven people up and down the lineup at any given moment they can string together hits and score seven, eight runs and just burn you like they've done to us. But then you look at it and everyone's hitting 160. Everyone's yeah. just under 700. You're like, how the hell do these guys ever score? Exactly. And, well, and even a guy like Franco who is has all the talent in the world you know who's the one number one prospect his first season last year he looked unbelievable this year he dealt with a lot of injuries he was not very good this whole season and you know the rays signed him to the biggest contract in franchise history they signed him for 11 years so you know it's just guys like that who the rays like you said hits their wagon to who you know they don't even perform and yet the rays still somehow manage to put together 90 win seasons every single year. Yeah, they, I mean, we kind of go over how they worship Satan, but <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there's even been years where the Rays will have like 95 wins. They're almost 100 wins. And I'll say, man, like they, they'll look at their lineup and say, how the, like, I get they always have good pitching, but it's like, yo, how did this lineup accumulate 90 plus wins? Like, well, what more am I missing? But they're the Rays, and they're eliminated. And let's look at these pitching matchups, guys. So the first pitching matchups for the first three games are going to be – are already announced, right? So we got Kyle Quantrill versus Garrett Cole, game one, our favorite ace, obviously. Game two, Nestor versus Bieber. Very scared of Bieber after how he looked. Yes, it was the Rays, but he still looked phenomenal. And then Severino versus Trist- Tristan McKenzie and uh, Cleveland. So – Look, like you said, Andrew, they have some young pitchers. We don't know how they're going to handle the spotlight. But they you can't ignore the regular season that they had, man. Like, they all – I mean, those numbers – I mean, Tristan McKenzie was under 3 ERA. Even Cal had, like, a 3.38 ERA this year. I mean, he was really good, and that's their number three guy. So I think the and, one thing that's really working for the Yankees, though, is Quantrill – is like on since he was traded to the Guardians, he's his ER or his ERA is like two ish at home, and he hasn't lost a game at home. So I think him starting on the road is going to be huge, just because he might be one of those guys that thrives off of the home crowd. And he has one start against the Yankees this year. Granted, it was in April, I believe. Yeah, uh, it might have even been that that come from behind win uh, where. I think Nestor had like a oh, was that the one where um, IKF like gave the hit the like they had the Miles Straw game? I think I yeah, think Quantrill might have Straw. started that game. He pitched in the seventh inning, six and a third, three earned runs, only had two strikeouts, but like he's pitched in Yankee Stadium. Granted, if yeah. it was a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, well, uh, it's thing. not Quantrill exactly the same thing as a Tuesday night in prime time at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. we've seen him before, so there, there's some experience, and the Yankees didn't fare great against him but they didn't get completely shut down either yeah it's not like the times they they face mckenzie and he's just absolutely mowed them down the thing then honestly like bieber is a fantastic pitcher and he's had some really good seasons but i don't really think the yankees he's ever fully shut the yankees down obviously he has the potential to do it and i would not be surprised if he went out there and throws seven innings with uh, 12 strikeouts and two hits allowed but you know, the, there was a 2020 season, the first game of the playoffs then. He, the Yankees destroyed him. You know, there's been a couple other starts he's had against them where he didn't really pitch that well. So 
you know, maybe maybe he's just one of those guys the Yankees get to. Which and if that's the case, then it's a good sign for the Yankees. And yeah, we already mentioned it. We all remember that you know two years ago his playoff start, how he absolutely hammered him. But that, yeah, that's something you just can't bank on again, right? I think we all yeah. know that. But yeah, that's something that like, he he looked phenomenal. And it wasn't just obviously it's the race, but I mean, did you see like his location? I mean, everything was blown away. It, he was mm. just placing the ball like every well, time. That's away. the it was thing with him is that he's not a power pitcher. His oh, fastball no. tops out at like ninety three, ninety four. But everything about him is where he places his off-speed pitches, which is one of the reasons that the Yankees could struggle a lot against him is because you throw an off-speed pitch low and away to every single right-handed batter in the Yankees lineup except for maybe Judge. Chances are they're probably going to swing and miss at it. I feel like the one guy, uh, the one guy I'm thinking of, who just will get, I'm, I'm, I could obviously look up his numbers against him in his career, but if Bieber's pitching like this against a guy like Stanton. Um, those will go for some ugly at bats, mm-hmm. flailing away low, on low and outside breaking balls. Um, yeah, I very much see that happening. Well, and but, it depends on how Stan's feeling too, because if he's in the slump that he's he was in basically from July until the middle of September, then it's going to be rough to watch. But he did look much better. Yep, he did. He did hit a few bombs. Yep. Yeah. And Stan's not one. He's not in there to you know hit a few singles. He's in there to hit the ball 450 feet. So if he can go out there and hit a couple home runs this series, that's going to do nothing but help. Yeah, they they definitely need postseason stand uh, to yeah. come through 100. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the one thing I will say that's good is the fact that Bieber pitched Friday and is not able to pitch uh, Game One on Tuesday because I mean, we already talked about this, but I mean this series formatting is weird. So Game mm-hmm. One's on Tuesday night. 7:30 or set. I'll be 7:37. I love how they have these specific postseason times. It's never 7:30. Oh, yeah. It's always 7:37. Or... Can't start at 7:35. It's got to be 7:37. Yep, 7:37. So game one, 7:37. Then there's an off day Wednesday. Then game two is Thursday, 7:37. Still at Yankee Stadium. Then another off off day Friday. Then game three. They haven't announced the time for uh, games three through five, but game three is in Cleveland on Saturday. Game four in Cleveland on Sunday, and then Game five. There, there obviously, if uh, there needs to be a Game four or Game five, Game five would be Monday in Yankee Stadium, no off day. So, I mean, thank God it's not Seattle, because go have to yeah. go from Seattle to all the way to New York, cross country, and then play a game. That would be hell for both yeah. teams, really. Here's so, the, thing, though. the Yankees still could end up playing Seattle. No, it's it's you know, definitely about that, it's Alex. definitely true. It's, funny because the the lcs schedule is the exact same way games yeah. three through seven the last five are on five consecutive days so you have no mm-hmm. off day well, you have to fly from seattle to new york between what f- five and six it's the same thing obviously seattle would have to be Houston. we'd have to be cleveland to get there but um it's on the table there too yeah exactly i'm taking it one series at a time Right. Yeah, I know. We talk about how we have no confidence in this team. (laughs) Then here we are talking about the World Series. No, Andrew's talking about like World Series MVPs. Like, I honestly, look, before I'm not, this is some insider. The whole point of that segment was to show that that (laughs) people you don't expect can show up in October. 
I'm just going to tell the audience before the show, Andrew is uh, hypothesizing an IKF World Series MVP campaign. Uh, I did not just, say those words. Yeah, I'm just messing with you. But I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I can't lie here. I definitely heard him <laughs> say those words. He's yeah, lying. He's, he's making the posters. He's making like a website and everything. It's crazy. Andrew, but... closeted big IKF. Up on board. Yeah. There's a secret hashtag, too. Oh, my God. First time I, people to use it. Hashtag. Hashtag actually a good defender. Um, but, yeah, like, like it, it really does go it, – it could be it's just the most random of players who has that big postseason moment, right? I mean, who, like IKF could literally, you know, hit the game-winning hit to send us to the ALCS, right? And it yeah. could – you know, he's – I mean, that's kind of the one place he's shined is hitting with, like, runners in scoring position because he is pretty good at just hitting the ball on the ground and getting base hits, which is – in those moments, obviously, that's very acceptable. But in all other moments, he's pretty bad. So mm-hmm. that's the IKF conundrum. Well, the thing is, he'll do that, and then all this, and then he'll have a big hit, and then the next inning he'll go out and underthrow a ball to first. Yep. And it, it will somehow it'll miraculously get ruled a hit. Yeah. That first big IKF error is just going to be a game breaker. Oh, I'm yeah. really, really, really <laughs> at all costs. Oh, God. And, and you're going to explode in the chat when that first IKF error hits. Wow. <laughs> you act like it would be just me. I know, you're right. It'll, it'll be just all. be you. We'll all now, be that, like, now that you said that, uh, I'm gonna what an unfortunate yep. term of events, and you'll now, just be screaming. Yeah, now, now I'm going to specifically stay calm for IKF's first error. <laughs> well, look, guys, let's um, let, let's not bury some of the lead here. And and part of what we talked about at the beginning of the show was was pitching, uh, and how yes. it even terrifies us. Like I don't want to gloss over how we feel about our bullpen because we haven't given them enough shine yet and when i say shine i mean hate talk, so, um, <laughs> i was about to say shine the right word here but it's, here's, yeah. here's the thing no. right like we talked about it they have one scary hitter now yeah. would would i be surprised if this guardians lineup all of a sudden looks like the 27 yankees against our bullpen no it would, i would not be surprised at all but i do think that it, this is a series where we could definitely like if we were playing seattle I would be very nervous because they're hitting very well right now, right? I mean, we saw what they did. to They came back from down 8-1 at Toronto. I mean, that's an explosive offense right now. And I think I think we do match up well with the Guardians because even though their pitching can shut us down, I mean, like we said, that offense is just – we just avoid the J- – like, like, we have to treat J-Ram like they're going to treat Judge. Like, yeah, as simple as that. Biggest... We, if any, any situation with – some sort of leverage, do not give him a pitch in the zone. It's just as simple as that. Make anyone else beat this. The biggest thing with the Guardians is that, like, both these teams have their one marquee hitter who is the guy that you cannot let beat you. But the difference between the lineups is that the Yankees have a bunch of guys that can supplant Judge and actually, you know, come through for all the times the Guardians are going to be pitching around Judge. The Guardians don't have another guy that you can be really be scared of, like, well, look, I don't want to say that's 100% uh, true because cause you you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, I know where you're going with it, but it's still wrong. It, it's funny because <laughs> I, I know how much you hated on Framil Reyes and they DFA'd him and he's out of the picture. But look, Josh Naylor is a very decent hitter. He's Hank Aaron against us. Like, that's something we got. We got to. I know, but Colton. at the same time, it's like I'm not scared. If you compare Josh Naylor in a playoff game to someone like Rizzo or Stanton. I'm taking Rizzo or Stanton nine times out of ten. 
Yeah, in a playoff game, but in yeah. a playoff game against the Yankees, uh, it's closer. <laughs> yeah, I guess something so. about facing us elevates his game. I don't know. It's more like something about facing Cole elevates his game because he always seems to hit a home run off of Cole. Yeah, that's very true. But all right, this was the this was the Guardians lineup they rolled out against the Rays in uh, their second game, right? Quan or they gave me the Rays one. Quan, Rosario, J Ram, Naylor, Gonzalez, Jimenez, Brennan as the DH. That that's that's actually incredible. Austin Hedges, who's probably one of the worst hitting catchers in the league, and Miles Straw in center. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's like that's brutal. That's like actually brutal. Now, yeah. like I said, uh, would I be surprised if that lineup finds runs against us? No, not at all. You know who's gonna? There's some random guy like Owen Miller is gonna torment us. Like this Owen Miller is going to happen. hit like a three-run home run at one point and make it make a the Yankees will be up two nothing and he'll make it three to two. Will Will Brennan postseason hero? Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> like, really, it, Why are we manifesting this? Oh god. Look, Andrew. I, I know the Guardians are all listening to our podcast right now, but it's you got to be prepared for it, right? We're, we're at least like like we said the last few years we were so hopeful, and then we just got so let down and such heartbreaking ends to the season. This year we're ready. This year, we're kind of like, all right, we're probably not making the World Series. It's... Especially since this year was the definition of just a letdown season because they right. started the off so well. On the wall exactly. Yes. yes, exactly. So I'll be sad, but at the same time, I think we all are mentally prepared for the season to end. Yeah, yes. and look, this is why I was so vocal. Uh, some other people, both in our chat, across Twitter, were too. When the Yankees started nosediving, everyone was like, oh, what are you talking about? Look at their record. Oh, look, they still lead the league in runs scored. It's like, yeah, they lead the league in runs scored because they have like seven games where they scored 13 or more runs, and they've averaged 2.9 runs over the last three weeks. Like, people couldn't separate the things. They would just try and see the bigger picture. Oh, they have a 10-game lead in the division. It's like, no, the division doesn't matter. Like, if this is the team that shows up in October, we're fucked, right? And, and the fact that we still have those concerns, I think we feel a little better about the team on the eve of the playoffs than we did in the middle of August at their worst. But the problem is that we know that that team could still show up at any moment. So it was very eye-opening when they started to struggle because it it kind of broke through that that level of – of invincibility we had like they were playing so well and you know they couldn't sustain that level of play but for it, it was tough to have some perspective and think like wow is this team really just going to be an unstoppable force all year and if they were then we'd feel we'd feel bulletproof right now but i think that's really where it all changed and it basically said like no matter what happens the rest of the year we know that the team has this in them and it sucks and yeah. if it shows up we're fucked yeah exactly yeah, like I think the perfect way to put it with this team is, you know, the fl- the ceiling's pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. Like when this team's at their best, like we they could beat anyone and win it all. But the floor is also. But very that floor low. is is literally in hell. Mm-hmm. Like this team could go out and just score like two runs over three games and get swept by the Guardians. Like it could happen. Now, yeah. the one positive I think one of the positives we have going for us is the fact that Bieber can't pitch game one. Because with all these off days, right, if he was able to pitch game one, like, they could throw him back out there game three if they wanted to. Yeah. Right? Like, it could just be, like, Especially deep, if the went up 2 they could just throw him out for game three. Yeah, they could throw him, like, five innings game one, five innings game three if they yeah. want to. Now, obviously, he's pitching game two, so that he'll probably, if if there's a game five, they'll probably pitch him then. But, yeah, it's it's definitely concerning 
to see their pitching and just to know that, hey, like like I said, I know, Andrew, you felt the same way. The, seeing that Mets game and seeing them get one hit just scared me. It, the first thought in my mind was, damn, this could happen to us. Like, this could, this could literally happen to us. And that's a scary thought because what, what reason do teams have to pitch to judge? There is no reason. Like, all right, he got his – he has his record. He, he was literally the best hitter we've seen in, since, like, you know, Barry Bonds and the steroid the, – what, what point is there to pitch to him? Until another guy in the Yankees steps up that proves they could beat you consistently, he, he's not getting anything to, to hit. It's, it's as simple as that. So, with that being said, guys, what are, what are our predictions for this series? What are we feeling? Who wants to go first? Uh, okay, I'll go first. I, I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say Yankees in four. I know I've been pretty right. – I'm going to be pretty pessim- – I've been pretty pessimistic about this team. I get it. But I think they show up. I think Cleveland is just not going to be able to score. I think the Yankees will be able to manufacture enough home runs off their best pitchers to edge out these games, whereas I, I don't think they'll, they're going to have to face this bullpen down too many times because – I mean, this Cleveland offense is really bad, and I have confidence that, you know, as much as we give Cole shit, and like you said, Naylor kills Cole, and he's, you know, he's had the home run bug all year. I do think Cole and Esther both step up and deliver big starts. I think the Yankees win those two games because just think, like, the we if we're talking, we're all talking about how bad this Yankees bullpen is. Like they they know that too. So especially with these off days, like Cole, they're gonna try to stretch Cole and Esther out as much as they can. It's as simple as that. So I think. Maybe the bull, if the bullpen's going to be an issue, it's going to be in games where, you know, we have guys maybe like Herman or Seve, guys on the mound that aren't going to give us as much length. And that's, you know, games where the bullpen has to give us more than, you know, nine outs, it's going to be a big issue. But I think in these first two games, Nestor and uh, Cole are going to give us length. The bullpen not going to have to do too much work. And then I think we're going to split in Cleveland. I think we'll probably lose game three when McKenzie's on the mound and then close it up in game four. So I say Yankees in four. All right. Um, all right. I'll save Andrew for last and go. The Yankees in five solely because I think the home crowds are going to be a huge factor in each game. The Yankees have the home field advantage. Three of these games are being played in because we know that the Bronx can be very, very loud in the play atmosphere. They're going to be fantastic. If you, but the atmosphere in Cleveland all can be very, very electric. So I think it's going to actually be a situation where the Yankees are going to, are going to win the next two and the Yankees will play out in game five. Against my better judgment, I'm going to say Yankees in five as well. Uh, I think. Boo, pick the Guardians, pick the Guardians, pick the Guardians, pick the Guardians. Against my better <laughs> judgment. Andrew, I really did think Andrew was going to pick the Guardians. I really did. I did too. I, 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 I look. Yeah, but like having three home games facing Cal Quantrill twice in those five games, I think that gives you a certain level of advantage um, that that can maybe be just enough to overcome the pitching advantage they have overall. Uh, the inexperience sometimes that that works out really well. Like we saw the Yankees in 2017; they were a super young team and they played fearless. They came back from down 2-0 in the ALDS to win that against Cleveland. They were down 2-0. To Houston, and they won three straight and were on the verge of the World Series that year. Ultimately, they didn't get it done. And of course, we could talk about what they did in the wild card. They've done three nothing in the first inning, rallied to win that game. So, like, sometimes 
that youth and inexperience actually plays in your in your favor because you you you're not really phased by the moment. You don't have the oh here we go again to to lean back on. Like if the Yankees start falling behind, like they're full of a bunch of rosters uh, players on their roster who are like we're sick and tired of losing again. So I don't want to say it's part of your DNA, but look, having the three games at home, having the offense be as healthy as it's gonna be, and I think. Like Alex mentioned, if you can just figure out ways to scratch across some home runs, you don't have to put together a big rally. You don't have to put up a big crooked number. You don't have to beat Cleveland seven to two in any of these games. But if you can win four to two, you could probably get it done. So I don't have super high levels of conviction in the pick, but I'm going to say Yankees in five. Yeah, like I said, I I would not be surprised if the Yankees dropped the series. My confidence level isn't too high, but I do think they get it done in four games. So we'll see. I don't see. think they'll get wet though. I think that's the one thing I do not, I would be shocked if that happens. Yeah. I, would I think they'll win it. They'll definitely. Yeah. But it's like I said, it's the postseason. You never know. Um, let's real quickly before, as we uh, wrap up the show, let's just real quick, go through the other three series and what we think about that. Uh, obviously Astros Mariners. Um, I think we're all picking the Astros. Um, Mariners are a fun team, but just don't think they have the firepower or the pitching to keep up with the Astros. Um, sadly, um, <laughs> as as shitty as it would be, like logistics wise for travel to face Seattle in the ALCS, would much rather uh, face them in a potential ALCM, ALCS matchup than the Astros. But obviously, you know, like I, like we've said before, God hates the Yankees, so it's just probably not going to happen that way. But in the NL, I'm really interested in the two NL matchups, man. We got two division matchups in the NL. Phillies, Braves, and then uh, Dodgers, Padres. So I think both those are going to be really good series. Obviously, the Dodgers and Braves are probably going to advance. But division matchups in the postseason always seem to be exciting. It's almost like rivalry games in, like, any sport. No matter how bad the teams are, it seems like they always come to play for those games, right? Like, you could be facing, like, your rival that's the worst team in the league and – it just it's a good game, right? It's a close. Well, that was your perfect game. opportunity for a cross sport reference that you love so much. The NFL games are the the epitome of that. It doesn't matter how well, it's, good it's, or bad a team is. When you play a team twice sport. a year in division, they're always yep. tight games. I was about to say you could literally use it for any sport. Like college foot like how many times I've watched in college football like a five and six team keep up with a ten and one team at the end of the year because you're rivals. You play each other every year, you know them. And yeah, like the NL, those division games, like I would not be surprised to see either of those series go five games. Do I think the Phillies or the Padres are better teams than the Dodgers or Braves? Hell no, the Dodgers and Braves are way better. But division matchups in the playoffs always seem to just be a little more competitive, a little bit more intense. And, but I, as, as strange and, as, it, as it may sound, I actually have more confidence in the Padres upending the number one overall seeded Dodgers than I do the the Phillies over the Braves and it's just because you look at the pitching they have um you Darvish looked very very good against the Mets on on Friday night uh, and then we saw what Joe Musgrove did right the guy's thrown in his career he threw uh, went to I think the seventh inning with a one hitter the rest of the staff carried it through and look Dodgers fans are going to cringe but they're going to have to face Juan Soto who has a history of beating the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in October now granted he was with the, uh, the Nationals at the time is the year they ended up winning the World Series, but like he's got that dog in him, right? So I'd be very leery uh, of just 
passing on the Dodgers. And I know they're the best team. And I know that they, they're better than everyone else in every facet of the game. Offense, defense, bullpen, starting pitching, speed on the bases, right? Like they do everything everything right. But I wouldn't count out the Padres. Well, and you think about it too. It's like how many teams in the past, say, 10, 20 years, how many of the best teams, the teams that are far and away the best ones, actually ended up winning the World Series and or advancing? And how many times have teams just completely blown it? Like you, the one team I think of off the top of my head is the 2018 Red Sox, who just steamrolled everyone. That's the only one that like they were far and away the, the only best exactly. It, you, know? you look at like the 2017 Indians, who played the Yankees. They were up two nothing. Yankees ended up coming back and beating them. The Dodgers in 2019 ended up losing to the Nationals. Um, you look at even the the Cardinals this year were a very good team. They're easily better than the Phillies, and the Phillies swept them. It's like the teams that are underdogs can come back and beat a good team so easily in the playoffs because it's such a small sample size of games. You know, if you put the Padres and the Dodgers, their exact rosters that they're going to put out there for, you know, and say 11 games, the Dodgers are going to come out and win that they're going to win the majority of those games. But for five games where all you have to win three games, it's a good chance the Padres can pull it off. And, and even the Phillies, I know obviously the Braves are just a juggernaut, obviously, but and the defending champs, but it seems like the Phillies, as bad as their bullpen is, there's something scary about having a dominant one-two punch in your rotation in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler, like if those guys are just come out and shove every night, especially in a five-game series, like you could now, obviously, they're not going to be able to pitch game one and two because they pitch in the wild card game. So that is advantage Braves. But yeah, it's scary when you have two great starting pitchers on like that 85, 90 win team. Because if, like, you know, we all we all know this when you there's like 10, 15 starting pitchers in the league that when they're on, there's just nothing you're going to do about it. And wait, wait, I think I'm sorry. Can, are, are the Phillies really pitching Ranger Suarez in game one tomorrow? Yes, I died. Andrew, I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty." That is a choice. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's... Uh, and I, I, again, it's not much better of an option to go to someone like Noah Syndergaard, but uh, that's. But watch, watch. Bro, it Thor, doesn't have to make sense. They'll probably win that game just because. Throw, throw back to when uh, Yankees fans, some Yankee fans, wanted Thor on their team. Um, yikes! Yikes! Um, but yeah, uh, it's gonna be a great. It's gonna be a great postseason. I mean, Wild Card Weekend was fun. Um, Three of the four away teams won. Uh, Seattle wins in Vlad's house. That was crazy. Um, that comeback was awesome. Hope uh, that, uh, Hope Springer's okay though, man. That was a scary moment. That was uh, that was tough yeah, to watch. That was yeah. really scary. Uh, you got like the full four, full force of a forearm to by Bo Bichette, who's a pretty you know strong dude. That's uh, definitely and on concussion. turf too. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, Epps in the chat though for for. Albert Pujols and Yadi Molina, mm-hmm. and and also something we should mention before we that we didn't mention is <laughs> I don't know if F's in the chat are pouring out because it's more like a rest and piss to a role this Chapman who is not going to be on the postseason roster and his career as a Yankee is done and you know it really is the point the fact that you know it comes out today that. He wasn't guaranteed a spot, so he didn't show up. And it's like, man, 
You had a four or five ERA this year. You've given up so many like big home runs in the postseason. You literally had so many blow up outings just this year alone, let alone the years prior. Like, what made you entitled to think you had a spot, man? It, it just, it really think, is just rest and piss, man. I think like, with Chapman, the biggest thing is his ego, and there's no better um, example than this because there's been so many times where you know he came in and it wasn't the ninth inning. And, you know, Michael K talks about it a lot where it's like being the closer and being in the ninth inning and ending the game. It's a lot of an ego thing, especially with Chapman. So even though he was awful this year, the fact that he wasn't guaranteed a roster spot, you know, affected his ego. And he's, you know, he's not exactly a team player, so he chose you know, to basically just not play instead, which good riddance. Yeah, it really is just nice to just not have him anymore. Nice to mm. not deal with that. He, you know, If he plays on another team, good luck with that. I, I don't know. He's going to want way too much money. He's, I could totally see him just not being signed by the start of next season because he's just going to command way too much money and everyone knows he's watched, so... Yeah, right, and now he has this this whole personality issue. Like he was already a garbage person to begin with, right? A criminal and had the mm-hmm. whole DV problem. But the Yankees put up with his shit and stuck by his side through so much. Only for him to just spit in their face like this, piss off, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, rest in piss. Um, we got postseason baseball ahead of us, uh, guys. At least we know he won't give up a backbreaking home run. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> yeah, it will be someone else. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be Miles Straw. Oh, God. Oh, God. But, guys, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up tonight? Go Yanks. Go Yanks, man. Um, yeah, we'll be with you all postseason. Hopefully it's we have multiple episodes, multiple happy episodes, maybe some Hopefully good the next po- episode is not Andrew yeah. screaming about how much he hates Garrett Cole. Yep, yep, that, that would be nice. Um, it might happen but, even in a win. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, but for Luigi, for Andrew, for Alex, this was the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast, and let's go Yanks. <laughs>